All right, Alexander, let's talk about the situation with Credit Suisse. We had the announcement that UBS will be buying uh, Credit Suisse. The price was, I think, $3.2 or $3.4 billion. It was $1 billion more than many analysts uh, had expected. But that wasn't the, the part of the deal that shocked me. The part of the deal that shocked me was that the Swiss Central Bank is going to put in $108 billion into Credit Suisse for, uh, for liquidity and to, uh, to guarantee the, the deposits. Double the amount of what they were talking about just four, four days ago, which to me signals that Credit Suisse must have been in a whole lot of trouble. I mean, they didn't go from $54 billion to $60 billion. They went from fifty-four billion, which is a huge amount, to a hundred and eight billion. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, development. We, it is an incredible development. Just, just for the sake of comparison, it's about the same amount of money that the United States has spent on arms on arms deliveries to Ukraine. So, you know, we're talking about very, very big money from the Swiss Central Bank, and at the same time, what is effectively a fire sale of Credit Suisse, one of the great Swiss banks, one of the most famous names in Swiss banking, one of the world 30 banks that is said to be systemically important to the world financial system. Well, it's now been sold to UBS in what in a, it looks like a fire sale, because, yes, it's slightly more than... <laughs> People said it's a billion dollars more, a billion dollars here or there. What's that nowadays? But ultimately, it's only a tiny fraction of what people would have said CS Credit Suisse was worth, well, just, just a week, two weeks ago. Now, to my mind, you're quite right. I mean, you know, I've heard lots of things. Uh, lots of people have contacted me about the situation at Credit Suisse. And, you know, lots of people say, you know, 10 years ago, it was a well-run bank. Uh, the, the, the new management that took over didn't know what they were doing. They ran it. They made all kinds of mistakes, but it, it wasn't. You know, but, but even allowing for all of that and allowing for the fact that, you know, maybe problems were relatively recent. When you're looking at these sort of sums, when you're looking at the fact that it had to be taken over by UBS, in not, not just a fire sale, but one senses a fire sale that UBS was pushed very much against its wishes into agreeing to. When you look at it all, I can't help but think that this is a sign, just as you say, that there are systemic problems, that there are really catastrophic problems within, within Credit Suisse, greater even than we know, greater even than the Swiss Central Bank knew a few days ago. And I have to say this, I can remember that during the 2008 financial crisis, um, a, West, a British financial institution, to the best of my recollection, it was the Halifax, was taken over by one of the British, big British banks. I can't remember which one. It might have been Barclays or it might have been one of the others. And the idea was to get a strong bank to take over a weak bank, except, of course, what actually happened was that taking over that weak bank actually weakened the strong bank. In other words, it spread the problem. It made the problem systemically worse 
rather than sort of containing it. And I wonder whether the same risk doesn't exist this time, whether, you know, forcing UBS to, to, to buy Credit Suisse in this way does, might shore up the system for a few days, but might lead to more problems going forward and might spread the problems to UBS as well. I, you know, I want to stress this. is I don't know this is the case. It may be that UBS has all the strengths that can pull it through this. But the very fact that the Swiss Central Bank has had to put all that money in suggests that UBS aren't happy and that they're worried that this combination is going to be a, a, you know, a, a more fragile one than um, UBS would, be, would have been if it had been left to itself. Yeah, this was a, a bailout and a bail-in and a fire sale. It was everything all at once. How much did Elon Musk pay for Twitter? Like 40 oh, billion? 40 billion, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, it was yeah. something like that. It was yeah. a lot more than 3.2 billion. I mean, think about that. Twitter was was valued at three, four, five times more. I don't know, whatever the amount was. I think it was something like 30 or 40 billion. Then Credit Suisse. <laughs> then like one of the premier banks in the world. It, this, is, this is insanity. It, it is insanity. Plus another 100 billion. Yeah. Yeah. Poured into the uh, poured in. yeah. into the bank, and and maybe just maybe they they pacified things for a little bit, yeah. Maybe for a couple of weeks, maybe for a month, maybe for three months. I don't know. I'm not going to make yes. any predictions. Maybe for six months. Yes, but yes. I'm hearing that there are more banks, specifically yes. in Germany and France, which yes also have. Big, big troubles that uh, go back many, many years, if not decades, and uh, there's going to be some problems uh, yes. popping up in, yes. in the near to medium term with these banks. I'm afraid you may be right. Now, again, I, you know, I've been getting people writing to me saying, you know, actually, I won't say the names wrong. of the banks, by the way. No, I'm no, no, we, to, we're not going to. Gonna, I mean, you know, they're I going have, to be the. I have some in my mind, but I'm not so do I. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I'm hearing people say, you know, that there are these problems. Other people tell me it's not a problem. All the all the European banks are, you know, in a strong position. We just don't know yet. That's the trouble. And I think also I'm going to say this again. People who think they know and who perhaps have the experience that makes them think they would know because, you know, they may have worked in this industry or they may have had connections in this industry or they might be financial traders and things of that. Very often what you find is that there are things that have been concealed or which operate under the surface or which even people who run the banks themselves don't understand that suggest that things are not really very, very stable. And it isn't just that... I'm, you know, we're, we're hearing reports about some banks. We're also seeing markets respond in a way that suggests that people in the markets are becoming worried, not just about some banks, but perhaps about the general health of the financial system. Now, I'm going to say this. It may be right. You may be right. This could perhaps hold things together for a couple of days, a couple of weeks, a couple of months. It's important to say that with the 2008 
financial crisis, the problem started to become visible in the summer of 2007, when, I seem to remember, there were problems in some French banks, and they gradually trickled through the system and took about a year to play out, and then eventually we got that major crisis at Lehman, which brought it all out into the open. But, of course, it can also move a lot faster than this, especially now that people are much more nervous, I suspect, than they were back in 2007. And if things continue to slide over the course of this week, I'm not saying they will, I don't know, but if things continue to slide over the course of this week, I'm going to make a guess that we're going to see big moves from the central banks next week in terms of injecting liquidity back into the system. In other words, potential cuts in interest rates, potential return to QE, either by that name or some other. So, you know, I think that is, you know, I'm not, I'm, again, I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but I would not be surprised if it did, if we continue to see a slide, uh, as we're doing at the moment. Yeah, but how will that inflect? Uh, how will that uh, affect inflation? I mean, well, the, whole, the whole the whole reason for 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 everything that they've been doing over the past, let's say, month, is is due to the fact that inflation's been going up and up month, two, two, three months. So, well, uh, you know, they're they're not spending less; they're no, spending more now. No, <laughs> or, they, or at least well, they continue to print money. Well, that's for sure. And well, so they could uh, do all the QE. They could they could cut interest rates, but. That's going to lead to a different set of problems. And, and I think, you know, will, will, for example, the Biden White House agree to this, given that they're going to be entering an election cycle? Well, indeed. Well, I mean, they, nearly, you know, they really ought to be worried another, about this. Yeah, they ought to be worried about this. And, and by the way, the Wall Street Journal, they put out a report over the weekend and they said that there's about 200 banks, I think the number was 187, small to medium-sized regional banks in the U.S. Yeah. that have similar types of problems to what yes. we saw at SVB yes. and, uh, yeah. and what was it, First, First uh, Republic and Signature. And anyway, they they identified 187 banks. So, I mean, it, and it's a different problem. What we're seeing in the U.S. seems to be very different. What's being engineered in the U.S. seems to be very different than... Yes. The European banks, which yes. seem to have a long history of just really bad uh, management and bad problems, which are now surfacing. The U.S. seems to be a whole different uh, yes. crisis that's brewing, but two crises at the same time. In the two crises system. at the same time and interconnected with each other. And I have to say this, if we have problems in you know, the smaller banks in the United States, which feed into the bigger banks in Europe, then who knows, eventually that might feed back into the bigger banks in the United States. I'm not saying that will happen again. I want to make that very clear. I don't know. But I can, I, you know, it's not something that is impossible to imagine. And... Well, you talked about injecting more money into the system. Well, isn't that exactly what the Swiss Central Bank has just done? They've just injected $104 billion into UBS Credit Suisse. I mean, they've just pumped more money, in effect, into the system. And if the Federal Reserve starts to do this in the United States, because there's 187 banks which are in trouble, 
if we start to see similar things being done by the European Central Bank. Well, it seems to me we are back in the world of QE. You might not want to call it that. You might want to give a different name to it. But that's, I think, where we are. And if problems like that start to, you know, we have to start to see money in, being injected by the central banks sooner or later, the central banks will probably say to the governments, you must also provide fiscal support because we can't carry the load all by ourselves. Western governments are already running deficits, very big deficits. <laughs> In Britain, they're raising taxes. In Germany, they're running, well, they're running all kinds of problems there too. In France, they're trying to carry out pension reforms. And of course, people will not look happily if governments are being pushed into action to bail out banks. But if governments are forced to do that, because no Western government is going to allow its big banks to fail. I think that's a fact we must be absolutely clear about. Then, of course, governments are going to see their deficits grow even more. Their debt levels rise even more. And they're going to press the central banks in return to cut interest rates. <laughs> I mean, you can see how everything will play out one way or the other, because how else can they do it? And how else can they appease their populations? They'll say, well, yes, of course, you know, we've had to raise taxes. We're going to have to get more into debt. But at least your debt payments are going to fall because the interest rates will go down. And anyway, we need to cut interest rates because we need lower interest rates to cover the cost of these deficits that we are going to be increasing, the debts that we are, uh, uh, that we are starting to run. Now, you know, some people, and I, you know, I, there are some economists, and let's not dismiss them. I've seen Ambrose Evans Pritchard in Britain, for example. He says, you, know, you can do all of this. And inflation is going to go down anyway. It's not going to have any impact on inflation at all. You can inject more money into the system. You can run more deficits. You can engage in more monetary expansion. And inflation was falling and interest rates had gone too high and we got plenty of leeway. Well, that's a point of view. I don't agree with it myself. I find it very, very difficult indeed to look at the situation today with inflation already high and imagine that big monetary injections, be they from the central banks or from governments, aren't going to eventually cause inflation to run higher. But, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. Well, it, <laughs> inflation is already running high. Absolutely. It's going to run even, yeah. Control inflation. No. So yeah. it is going to run high. Yeah. And basically the scenario that you described to me is that the everyday uh, consumer, the everyday citizen, is going to pay the price because it's it's, yeah. it's the government's saying to to the everyday consumer, your money will be okay. We'll we'll backstop your money. We'll guarantee your money, but it's going to be worth less, and everything's going to be a whole lot more expensive. Yes, I mean ultimately that's exactly what's going to happen. It also means, by the way, I mean this is the other thing, regardless of what happens. I mean, it's assuming there is, you know, that there, there has to be some kind of bailout, because we won't call it a bailout, but that's what it will. Well, we might have to call it a bailout eventually, but assuming that we do see you know, a major crisis in the financial system, at the very least, we're going to see another 
big knock to the real economy <laughs> because banks in that kind of situation will inevitably have to lend have less to lend will not be in a position to lend will not be in a position to roll over loans especially to companies we're going to see probably more pressures towards a recession and of course at the same time inflationary pressures are going to increase because there's the supply problems and then there's now this monetary overhang that's building up so remember if production falls if production rates fall then you know there's fewer goods being produced fewer services being provided but at the same time cash money in the economy is increasing you know most people once upon a time would have said the result of that's going to be inflation because you have more money chasing fewer services and fewer goods of course we're told that isn't the case anymore again i have difficulty understanding why okay well <laughs> we'll leave it there the duran.locals.com we are on Rumble and Rockfin, Odyssey, Pitchute, and Telegram, and go to the Durant shop, 10% off. Use the code. Good day. Take care.